Hey folks, this is Glenn Mann and you are listening to an all new episode of the Man From New York podcast. It's been a while since an episode, it's been a couple of weeks. I've been feeling a little bit under the weather, I've been dealing with like a sinus infection and I know that you didn't want to hear me like coughing and sneezing and sounding like I had, you know, a bicycle handle stuck up my nose. So I decided to take a little bit of a break. But I'm back. And so much happened this week as far as current events. Uh, there was the Mueller report or the summary of the Mueller report. There was this whole Jesse Smollett scenario in Chicago. Which uh, made a baffling situation seem even more baffling. Uh, some other things happened. Uh, Michael Avenatti was arrested. You remember him, the lawyer for Stormy Daniels. And... He was arrested for trying to extort money from Nike. I guess when they said just do it, they meant don't do that. But uh, this is strange stuff happening this week. Uh, the past five days have felt like three months, really, as far as the news cycle is going on. And, of course, spring is here. Spring is here. Uh, Easter is coming up. Uh, I don't know exactly when Easter is coming up, but it's coming up. Because a lot of jelly beans are on sale at the store. And if you're like me, you got to love jelly beans. I mean, they absolutely... I'm always amazed that jelly beans, they become like the recreational drug of choice. Above like everything else. Like, you know, marijuana or any kind of other stuff. Because jelly beans are just so damn good. I mean, you can't... Have you ever opened a bag of jelly beans and just had a couple and that was it? I've never done that. And anyone who has, I don't know, it's crazy. And it's just a, a, it's a marvel. It's almost like going to space. That's how marvelous uh, the invention of jelly beans are. Be, speaking of space, there's a story about a all-women spacewalk that was supposed to take place. But had to be canceled because they didn't have enough suits for the women to be in space. Which is, this sounds really weird. Uh, you know, and you would think like going to space, like they would like make sure that there's like enough of everything or just in case. You never know what's going to happen because you're in space. Maybe, God forbid, something's going to happen on the, on the station or the shuttle. Or I don't know, maybe an aliens are going to come by and visit you uh, to, to make first contact. Or just say what's up, you know, parlay a little bit about the universe and the galaxies and everything. But... They didn't. It was sort of a weird story about that. So, I was talking about doing a rundown stuff happening. The Jesse Smollett thing, as you all know, he he had claimed to be attacked, right? And then police said, no, that didn't happen. And he was arrested and charged. And then this week, the charges were dropped. And he continued to say he was innocent. He didn't do this. And the prosecutors say, yeah, he, he did this. He's, he's guilty of this, but... We decided not to charge him anymore. And he, like, did some, like, community service, and they kept his bond, and and now there's, like, huge political uproar over it. And, I don't know, part of me, like, I, I don't watch Empire. I, I think maybe the first season I caught, like, half an episode. Uh, this wasn't, this wasn't, wasn't my vibe, even though they've got a lot of, they got a lot of talented actors on there. Uh, Taraji P. Henson, who's, Amazing. 
uh, Terrence Howard, who's, I don't know, I can't think of anything he's ever been bad in his career. Like, everything, every time he shows up in something, he's been pretty good. But the Empire, it just wasn't for me, so I never really paid much attention to the show. But the first couple of years, it was one of the biggest hits on TV, it seems, as far as people talking about it. It seemed like every time on social media after the episode, people were uh, discussing it. I think that, like, first year after it came out, I remember there were, like, a lot of Halloween costumes where people were dressed up as the characters. So being on the show was a big deal for Jesse Smollett, but I felt like he's not big enough of a star to like be in this scandal. Like part that's part that's part, I know that sounds really shallow, but it's kind of like uh, like who is this dude? Like I mean I know he's a singer and he's an actor and he can sing, and I've actually you know he he has talent, but I'm like as far as like his success, right? It's like he's most people didn't hear about him or know of him until this thing. So, like, and I'm sure a lot of people, this may be the only thing they ever hear about him, right? They may never hear his music or see him acting anything. So part of the story is, like, all this guy's, like, I guess if he wanted attention, he got it, which was the sort of the accusation that he engineered this whole thing because he wanted more publicity, because he wanted a raise from the producers, which... In hindsight, it might have been easier just to ask for more money. Or maybe, I don't know, get a side hustle. Because everyone talks about side hustles these days. Uh, if you go on, if you go like on any other like business related websites, any focusing on entrepreneurs like Forbes or Fortune, you go on YouTube, there's a surplus amount of content about side hustles and gigs and the gig economy. People trying to make uh, you know, either build new careers or build businesses, side businesses. And part of it is just the way the economy is structured, right? That it doesn't seem like it's enough to have a 9-to-5 job. Even if you're making a decent salary, it, it seems like sort of a cap, right, of how much you can potentially earn. And also there's a thing where people feel like, hey, there are things I want to do. Uh, they, they just don't like their job, right? They want to do something else. And, you know, you can make an argument. I think it's a good argument that the whole nine to five, five days a week, working is archaic. And there's tons of uh, articles and stuff about uh, alternatives to that. Things like job sharing, where, you know, maybe one person doesn't have to do that job. Like, maybe two people can do one job and maybe... It gets divided within the week. So if someone's only working maybe two and a half days or three days a week. Or maybe it has to do with the government uh, sort of supplementing salary, right? Uh, making a, sort of an increase in the minimum wage by just giving workers more money. So where the employers uh, don't feel burdened, I guess, to try to meet it with that. There's all kinds of sort of theories and articles and sort of positions on on how these things would work. But there's something happening, right, where people just are not satisfied with the status quo in many things. That's why you hear so much about digital nomads. If you don't know what a digital nomad is, and if you're listening to this podcast, you, you probably do. A digital nomad is someone who can work from anywhere in the world, from a laptop. Uh, it may be anything from a web designer to a software engineer to maybe they trade in, you know, currency or cryptocurrencies and stocks 
or maybe they run like a online store or something. But anyway, digital nomad is someone who can basically travel anywhere they want. Uh, usually, places that are very cheap and affordable, places that have good access to Wi-Fi, because you need the internet. So the digital nomad thing has exploded in the past uh, few years, and it does have a lot of appeal, especially for people who who we used to call restless souls, right? We don't really hear that term too much anymore. But I think there's a lot of restless souls out there. People who are like, you know what? I just need to be somewhere and do something different. And for many people, the whole sort of everyday grind of get up, get dressed, you know, well, get showered first and get dressed instead of dressing shower. But, you know, going and then riding the subway or getting on the highway or taking the commuter train. Uh, for many people, that's like this soul-destroying, like, and it's like they have to do something else, and they, they need like a, they need every day to be to feel different, to feel new. And so digital nomads are people who have that potential, right? Because they can go to they could spend one week in perhaps one country, and then maybe go to another country. And you have digital nomads who are all over Asia, uh, parts of Europe, uh, parts of even you know South America. Where they can afford to uh, live within their means, uh, where they can make money, but definitely, in many ways, it's, it's a lot more cost efficient than say trying to live in a place like New York City with its ridiculous rent and cost of living. And sometimes you wonder about New York. Now you know this is the man from New York podcast. So you know I love New York. This is my home where I'm born and raised. Sometimes I think, is this is it crazy living in this town? Despite all the many great cultural uh, venues and this cultural period, this from the neighborhoods to the people to the places and things you can do, is it kind of crazy to live in this town, which is so expensive, when you have subways that are overcrowded, when you just have so many things happening where this was like a grind, it feels like a fight. Is it is it a little bit insane to want to live in New York and build a life? I think it is to a certain extent. And that's not bad because, like I said before, New York has so much to offer that in many ways there's nowhere else you would want to be. But you have to, you know, but for many people, they could live better if they went somewhere else. And many people do that. There are many people from New York who have moved to places like either uh, Atlanta or maybe they've moved to uh, Philadelphia or like outside of Pennsylvania where it's a little bit cheaper. Or maybe they moved even to Canada. I don't know. Where they can get some free health care too maybe if they're there long enough. So people do that. People who make the move. And there are people who are like, you know what? I'm not leaving. I can't live without the city. And in many ways... You understand that because if you live here as many times here, the city just has a certain energy that you can't really get anywhere else. But I don't know. I, I for one, worry about the future of this town. Uh, maybe not five or ten years, but I do worry. Like I wonder, like in twenty years, maybe fifteen, will this be a town worth living in? You know. Like I said, it's so expensive, so hard for people to make a living, to 
if they have other interests, if they are artists, to try to pursue those endeavors and still uh, make a living uh, seems almost impossible. So you wonder about the quality of life uh, in this town in, in the future. Now, New York City is a very resilient place. It has been since the, the very beginning, you know, when it was just a colony and when it was just a young fledgling place, when it was in the middle of the Revolutionary War. So we can never really count, put this city out, count this town out. But you know, I do worry about it. Now, what else is happening? The NCAA tournament is taking place. And I have not watched any of it because I haven't been interested in college basketball in a long, long time. Of course, everyone is talking about Zion Williams, the star at Duke University. Now, when I used to watch college basketball when I was younger and was really into it, I hated Duke. I really, really hated Duke. They just, ugh, just, I hated Duke players, I hated Duke colors, and just watching it on TV. And Even though I'm kind of a fraud, because when I was in high school, someone bought me, I don't know who it was, but someone bought me like a... Kind of, it was like a Duke basketball, like, workout jersey. And being someone who hated Duke, I should have threw it away. But it was, like, kind of cool looking, and I kind of liked it, so I would wear it. I mean, people would be like, oh, you like Duke? I'm like, no. I just, you know, I just got the gift. But that's happening. The NCAA brings in billions of dollars a year with these huge television contracts. And every year, people have a discussion. Shouldn't the players get paid? Because, of course, now people will say they are getting paid. They're getting their free education. But many of the top stars, they're not there for an education. They're there because the NBA doesn't allow them to play unless they have at least one year of college. So they're really just there so they can get that one year so they can move on and get paid. So, you know, now... For the players who are going to be there for guys who are not going to be stars in the NBA, who might like make it to the NBA, uh, yes, being able to go to a top-notch quality university, and if they are able to uh, have the time to study and do the work and get the degree, can change their life. And in fact, you could say just playing on the team and make, making the context that you do, those will benefit you the rest of your life. If you're someone who, let's say you were a nobody, you were like the 12th man on Duke or UNC or, you know, any of these top colleges. On, on, in fact, any, any like Division One sport, basketball, football, volleyball, uh, whatever. Even if you did not contribute anything, just the fact that you're on a team and these connections that you make could benefit you the rest of your life. You could, you know... Do many things because of these connections that you make. But, like I say, billions of dollars are being made. And I think these guys should get paid. If you want to set it aside, it's like an escrow account so that they get it, the majority of it, when they leave school. They just get a big check saying, hey, thank you for your service, you know, for bringing this money. These huge TV ratings, these huge merchandise sales. Good thing about it, if you're a player, people are buying jerseys with the number that you're wearing because you're wearing it. But you don't get any money from that. People are turning on television to watch, to see you. 
and the networks are selling premium ad space to these uh, companies for sponsorships because people want to see you, but you don't get paid. You don't get any direct compensation from that. You know, you get, like they say, in education, which if you're only there for a year, that is not that valuable. So, I mean, those are just, you know, one of those things where people have to debate every year. And it doesn't sound like anything's going to change. But there was another story regarding the NCAA that I mentioned. Uh, someone earlier was connected to it, Michael Avenatti, who of course came to fame as the lawyer for Stephanie Clifford, I believe is her real name, but you know her as Stormy Daniels, the woman who had an affair with the now occupier of the White House. And of course, this led to a big thing and it led to Michael Cohen, the president's lawyer, actually being prosecuted and being sentenced. And well, he's about to be sentenced, he's going to go to jail. So anyway, Michael Avenatti apparently said that he had information about some sort of kickback scheme and he demanded millions of dollars, supposedly, and he was arrested and he's being charged with extortion. And it's just sort of a crazy story. And to top it off, there was another crazy story that he's connected to. Uh, the Nexium story, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. Nexium was a, a cult. They're being accused of being a cult. And, you know, if you read the stories, basically, it was just basically sex cult, right? Like, the guy who was head of it was just basically sleeping with almost every woman in the group. Some of the women were branded with his sort of symbol that represented his name on them. And this is a crazy story. But one of the women who, who was heavily involved in this organization... Is one of the she's an heiress to the Brofman family, who of course at one point owned in uh, Seagr Seagrams, the spirits and beverage company. And so apparently, at one point, Michael Avenatti might have represented or was supposed to represent her, but this came out in court the other day. She actually fainted. So you know, I don't know which I don't know what law law school Michael Avenatti went to, but. They must have had a class or a course on how to insinuate yourself into almost every situation possible. I keep waiting for him now to show up as Jesse Smollett's new lawyer. Or, I don't know, this is just a crazy, crazy things happening in the news. It feels like we're like in the alternate reality sometimes. Speaking of alternate or parallel realities, I don't know if you watched the OA on Netflix. Now, part one of the OA came out in 2016. So there's kind of this drop. Like, didn't even hear about it before. It was, you know, just showed up. Uh, stars Britt Marlin, who also produced and wrote it. And it's really, oh, it's hard to explain to someone who hasn't seen it. But it has to do with near-death experiences and parallel dimensions and all kinds of stuff, and you just describe the show as bonkers, but I absolutely love the show. It's just an amazing show, and it's one of the most unpredictable shows I've ever seen. It reminds me, I think about Twin Peaks, where you can never really guess what was going to happen, even if you thought you had an idea something would happen. The OA is kind of like that, where things happen, 
And I don't want to spoil it for you, but there's one episode with a giant octopus. And that's all I want to say. But when I when this popped up on the screen and the context of the story with the octopus plays a part in, it is my mind was like, what the heck is going on? I had to pause for a moment to make sure that I was still watching the same thing. But this show is, you know, but it sort of deals with other things like purpose, why are we here, you know, fate and destiny and things like that. Which are subjects that are always, uh, I know I'm very interested in and I know many people are because you seem to you know, read about it a lot, you see about it a lot in popular culture. And I always feel like whenever a theme seems to be reoccurring in popular culture, meaning there are several movies about it, TV shows, read about it in books, magazine articles. To me, it feels like there's like the universe is trying to either tell us something or maybe just prank us. I don't know. But they feel like there's something in the air in the past couple of years happening in our world, right? It just feels like almost anything is possible, right? There was a there was a time not too long ago, a couple of years ago, where things that happen now, you'd be like, that's impossible. Now every day you wake up and you don't know what's going to happen. Like seriously, if aliens landed tomorrow, big spaceships were flying over New York and Los Angeles and Paris and England, how shocked would you really be? You, you'd be like, oh, wow, finally. And then a week after the aliens came, we'd be on to something else. Uh, we, you know, it would be another story about one of the Kardashians being cheated on or something like that. That's just the way the world is working. My name is Glenn Man. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I have the same handle for both, at Glenn Price Man. That's Glenn with two wins, Price and man, which wins, Glenn Price, man. Thank you for listening, man from New York.